0: Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back to another episode of cinematic rewind joining me today to talk about big fish is cookie what's up everybody Regent,
2: how's it going out there podcast land
1: and a very special guest vamp
2: how's it going thanks for having me
1: yeah pleasure to have you so i want to ask you vamp real quick since you're new to the podcast and to let all the listeners out there know your sort of history with cinema so what is your history with movies tv shows and the entertainment world as a whole
0: just basically a casual watcher. I guess nothing too crazy. Watch what looks good to me. A lot of action comedy, stuff like that, or the occasional movie like this where, you know, kind of feels like it hits home a little bit.
1: Okay, okay. And to the listeners out there, this was a listener suggested episode, and it was actually suggested by Vamp here. So we get to cover one of his favorite movies, which is nice. So Vamp, I'm gonna quickly ask you, what is your history with this film?
0: My history with this film is I just greatly enjoy most of Tim Burton's work, getting into the, the nightmares before Christmas and stuff like that. You start looking into more of his movies and then kind of stumbled upon this one. And I was like, well, I got to give it a try. It ended up being my favorite of all of that he's done. So
1: it was definitely a good watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Seeing it twice now. So I think it's a really good film. What about you, Regent? What's your history with this film?
2: I mean, I'm in the same boat as Vamp. I love Tim Burton movies. I've always enjoyed his work. Now, this movie came out in 2003, so that would have put me roughly at 15 years old, almost 16. So easily could have seen this in theaters with my family. But I actually waited till after it came out, and we actually watched it in our English class because it was based off the book, Big Fish, a novel of mythic proportions by Daniel Walls. So we read some of the work from Big Fish and then watched the movie. I absolutely am the same page with vamp. I love this movie. i probably would put it easily in my top five of Tim Burton's work. So yeah, it has a, it has a good place in my heart. Okay. What about you
1: cookie? What's your history? I actually have to say I knew
3: nothing about this movie until it was requested for the podcast. Looking back, I don't remember seeing any commercials, trailers, anything for it. And as we've done on this podcast, I've watched a bunch of movies and I knew about Tim Burton. I've seen some of his stuff. I didn't purposely go through his filmography at any point, so I can understand how I missed it that way. But from a commercial standpoint, the only time that I can think of I've ever heard of it was not actually hearing it, but seeing it on DVD racks. I kind of always saw it because it said big. Fish, but the marketing material always had like this big tree and a couple other things, so it it caught my attention. Beyond that, I knew nothing about the film like, no cast, no plot, or anything like that. So, it was definitely a very interesting watch this recent. And what I did was, I did want to ask a lot of people in my life about the film because I, I was once again like, How did I not hear about this? They actually never heard about this movie either. So, that's another thing that I definitely would like to talk about during this podcast is like, from a commercial standpoint, why does some people know nothing
1: about it where others
3: it's a huge movie they love
1: yeah i'm actually in the very same boat as you like i had seen it on racks and such like the whole big tree spelling out big fish but it never really caught my eye too much to the point where i actually forgot completely about the film until vamp had talked about it even at that point i was like eh, all right cool and then he's like obi-wan's in it i'm like oh hell yeah and that's all it takes (laughs) So yeah, if you mention Obi-Wan's in a film, Ewan McGregor, fantastic, by the way. I'm definitely gonna try it at least once. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed this film. There's a lot to like. It's got the crazy aspects that you would expect from a Tim Burton film. It's that non-linear storytelling that I'm a big fan of. So overall, it's just a fantastic piece of work. But before we dive too much into that, I do wanna tackle that topic of why do we think this movie wasn't commercially spread like a lot of the other Tim Burton films? We've all heard of Corpse Bride Nightmare Before Christmas, which I know is a Henry Selick film, but there's a lot of other stuff out there that Tim Burton does. So why wasn't this on the same level as his other works?
0: You know, I'm not entirely sure, but now, like, Cookie bringing it up, I literally don't think I would have known about this movie besides the fact of me looking into, like, Tim Burton movies and, like, going out of my way to watch, like, all the movies he's done and stuff like that because I don't recall it ever being commercialed or promoted or anything like that. I don't even remember ever seeing it, like, on the shelves. Like, the copy I had, I had to go, like, hunt it down on the internet, basically, to buy it.
1: You know, what, what are your thoughts, Regent? Because I know you said you watched it because it was a Tim Burton film. Are you in the exact same boat that Vamp is in to where you probably wouldn't have heard about this film if you hadn't gone looking for it?
2: No, actually, it was more so it found me because there were commercials for it, but it wasn't very prevalent. I kind don't of like *Night Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, like those type of movies. Now, from what I've watched from Burns' catalog, and Vamp can either agree or put in his two cents to help me out here, I feel most of Burns' work and his reverence that people hold him towards is more for his animated work or stop motion work, and then his live action stuff is, it's a hit or miss, depending on what movie we're talking about and who's like opinion you're asking for big fish is a solid movie it is also a genuinely serious topic compared to some of his other movies and i don't think it got enough respect that it deserved it did a time and a half more budget-wise at least from the box office against its budget so it was a technical success because it it broke over even but a lot of the critical responses like we're talking a 58 out of 100 7.3 out of 10 a lot of his live action work that he's put his name to is around that number category unfortunately so i'm wondering if not enough marketing or talking about the movie could have driven some more financial successes if this was during one of his downswings with movies like I, I don't have the exact answer
3: I wonder too, what else came out that year? Not to take up time, but that's something we could do research later on is that sometimes movies don't get enough spotlight because something else major is coming out that time. And especially with this being 03, I know Star Wars prequels was hot in the early 2000s. I don't know if any of them came out in 03, but I'm just thinking about other things that could overshadow that because sometimes that's what happens is release weekend, but there's a blockbuster movie coming out at the same time.
1: I mean, I know the last Lord of the Rings film came out in 2003. There was a Hulk movie that came out in 2003. Holes. Those are like the biggest and a few hit Disney films.
2: So to answer that question, at least through IMDB, the top five rated movies for that year, at least from a rating standpoint, Kill Bill Volume 1, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, Big Fish was number three, Mystic River, which is a fantastic crime drama movie, and then Finding Nemo, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Sea Biscuit. Honestly, I'd have to probably lean towards Cookie, where there was a lot of solid movies, and that got lost in the shuffle.
3: Oh, that list is highest rated. Was that what it was?
2: Yeah, that's highest rated. But just those movies alone, like Seabiscuit, Mystic <laughs> River, Lord of the Rings, like those were the three movies that were at every award show for film.
3: Yeah, that's not a order in ticket sales. So if it was ticket sales, it might not even have been in the top five or six.
2: Yeah, Nemo was number one. Black Pearls, number two. Lord of the Rings, Return of King was three. Matrix Reload was four. Bruce Almighty was fifth. Elf, Chicago, the list goes on.
3: Oh my gosh, that was 2003?
2: That's what I was thinking. <laughs> All 2003, sir.
3: Wow. Yeah. To me, that explains it right there. I mean, it's not a bad movie, so I, it's unfortunate. It looks like at least financially they made their money, so it wasn't like it was a failure, but.
2: I'll put it this way. So those were the top 10 movies. Big Fish was ranked 152 for that year. Engrossing movies. The next closest movie to that I can think of is House of the Dead, which was a terrible horror movie. And that was 141. Oh, and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was also above Big Fish by only seven spots. can't believe that but
1: yeah i do know that big fish was actually nominated for best musical score composed by danny elfman i could see that yeah so commercially it did well it's an excellent film it's an excellent metaphor about life there's a lot of lessons to be learned in this film and overall it's just enjoyable to watch just a carefree ewan mcgregor just going about doing random stuff it's great yeah. Unfortunately, I'm going to be the odd man out.
3: I barely enjoyed the film. I definitely would like to hear y'all's opinions on it. And I can definitely share where I saw some positives, some good stuff about it, but then also where I either got bored or just wasn't all that interested or connected.
1: All right. So Vamp, what did you think about this movie? Like what what's your take on the film?
3: I mean, as you guys
0: know, but not podcast land, this is like by far one of my favorite movies of all time. I think personally, like it's relatable. I'm sure everyone has a figure in their life where he basically over exaggerates stories to make them interesting. I just all around thought it was fantastic and just very relatable and really good.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Regent, what's your take?
2: I agree with Vamp on the premise of the story of over-embellishing of some of the stories to make it larger in life. The underlying theme of the father reconciling with his son, that was a huge topic throughout the movie, at least from the get-go from the wedding throughout the whole film. All the different characters coming to life. And like just trying to explain his life in a way a child can understand at least in this case when he was an adult as these mystic journeys or maybe these larger in life characters that had a profound impact on one's life so it was great storytelling great character involvement some fun things here and there but i overall enjoyed the movie very much
1: all right cookie you hinted at it but now i want to hear what you actually think of the film yeah, sure.
3: From a presentation standpoint, I liked it. And I can at least give it that respect on it is visually it worked great. And the concept I did enjoy and I do agree with vamp on the relatability of like, you know, the father telling the crazy stories where it dropped the ball for me. And it's definitely more on a personal level. A couple of things, one of the biggest things that stood out for me was in a movie like this that has, essentially in my eyes has a large cast cause it goes through different time periods and situations and so forth. I couldn't help but notice, I never saw someone similar to me in that demographic. And I, I'll just go ahead and say like, I'm a black man. So in the movie, I couldn't help but notice it felt like it was just pretty much all white people. I think they had maybe one or two Asian people or something like that. But ultimately, that's where the relatability fell for me, because it was one of those things where it was this happy-go-lucky film, everybody's having fun, you know, it kind of seemed like they went to heaven, and stuff like this, and then I I couldn't help but notice, like, wow, it looks like everybody's, like, particular type of demographic in this film. And thankfully, on that kind of note that Hollywood does, I feel like it was one of those things Hollywood typically drops the ball in. They've done a better job in the past 10 years, but this movie is about 20 years old, and I feel like they kind of reflected where they didn't really get that much, much of a diverse cast in the film, especially when you start talking about imagery of such happiness. Everyone's having a good time, Uh, even though he's going through different things, even with war and stuff like that. Overall, it was a positive message throughout, and someone like my demographic wasn't even in the film for how many people was in the film. That kind of stuck out for me. But otherwise, the, the other portion of the film for me was it didn't really stick with me about the whole story. I got the gist of the film about what the father was going through with telling the stories and then the son and the son had a a different reaction to it. But there was just so many things about the fantastical part of it that kind of broke the film apart for me. And another thing that was sore, and I know this is being too picky, but the parents, the the father who told all the stories and his wife, they definitely did not look like a couple I would normally see. That was definitely an abnormal couple. The, The woman, she definitely looked older, but she looked in great shape, very beautiful woman. And the father, you know, he looked like a typical guy from the South that's like in his 70s or something like that and that was another thing that like really stood out for me those two pieces so it was one of those films where i had to stop thinking about what i was watching in order to enjoy the rest of the film and unfortunately i can't shy that part when it comes to a review standpoint
1: no, you're 100% right. There was definitely a lack of diversity in this film. Now, looking back on it, I didn't notice it on my initial watch, but I do see it now and then. Yeah, that's not great, especially in a film that does depict like happiness go lucky type deal, the carefree manner that it is throughout the film. So, my take on the film was I actually, on my first watch, I didn't like it that much just due to I thought it was a bit all over the place, a bit strange. But on my second watch, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought it was fun, thought it was heartfelt, you know, it was heartwarming to watch him tell stories about his life, even if they are embellished. We don't really know. The son tries to say that they're all embellished and that they didn't really happen. Sure, some of them are, sound very made up and very embellished, but that's kind of like the whole point of the film. And I eventually grew to like that just due to it's like okay that's the entire point is he's telling all these stories to sound interesting or to tell an interesting story to people that they would enjoy listening to or that they would like to hear. So I thought that was really, really fun. And I just really enjoyed how many like life lessons the film had to give people. Like It's okay to just go through life to continue to grow. That's like the first thing in the film. Like the second thing is like, don't be afraid to go through life no matter what comes towards you. Like he lives his life carefree because he's not scared of it. He knows he's going to die eventually. So he just goes through life unafraid of death. There's another one that I noticed where it's like he always made his own path. He didn't really take marching orders from anyone. He just sort of did his own thing. Another life lesson is he never settled in the film at all. He always wanted to do something bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I thought that was really admirable. Another one is that the son learns is to forgive the past, especially when it came to what he suspected was his father's affair. He was willing to let go once he actually realized the truth. And the final one is everyone's immortal due to story that people will tell about us after we move on. So I thought this movie had a lot to offer in in that regard.
3: Yeah, I enjoyed the growth of what The Sun went through. And you could kind of tell from the beginning that was going to happen, but that doesn't necessarily take away from seeing it all develop. One more nitpick. That was just, this is more funny for me is I live in the South. Ewan McGregor's freaking voice in that film (laughs) drove me fucking nuts. The, (laughs) the, the fake Southern accent. You could tell he worked at it, especially after watching movies that he's already been established. in. it just definitely felt like a little soreness to the ears where it was
2: like, Oh man, just talk normal. What did you want him to say hello there and talk to you like he was Obi-Wan?
3: Yeah. I mean, it sounded better than him sounding like he was about to play a banjo.
2: (laughs) I got a fun fact for you about that later.
1: So what did you think, Vamp, about the different growth of different characters? Because you got to see Edward's growth, Ewan McGregor's character's growth, and then you got to see his son's growth throughout the film. What did you think about all of these different characters growing?
0: Like his father, I think you were touching a bit on. I think it's just a good lesson to learn. Granted, he had a little unfair advantage. He saw how he was going to die and got to live his life to the fullest, more or less. I think it's trying to tell you that, that no matter what, you got to do that. And like you said, he, he kind of made his own pass for things. He's seen what he wanted in life and, you know, he took everything he could to try to achieve that, like getting a glimpse on a girl that he wanted to be with. And he went through dead end job after dead end job just for information as pay. Like he went through all this hardship to get what he wanted and i think that's like like a really good thing to take from that and then with a son that's still relatable like i said i think most of us have somebody who over embellishes stories he got to the point that he was like you know you're just lying to me and lying to me and granted it took something horrible and for him to start taking things into his own hands actually start learning the truth that maybe you know he was just over embellishing his stories because you meet a lot of the people from all his tales he would tell i think it was his way of immortalizing himself how the movie ends and stuff like that. And so I think with the two of them, you saw a lot of great growth and could take a lot of lessons from all of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. What did you think, Regent?
2: The reconciliation with the son, like you were saying earlier, about the depth and the development of that relationship over the movie. I have to agree with what you said earlier about knowing that you're going to die and embracing just life and taking it all in and not being afraid of what's to come and leaving behind a story to hopefully stand the test of time in your family are all huge things that we all try to strive for in our normal lives to some extent. And yes, there are people in our life that tend to embellish things because they just want to make things grander than what it is. That's kind of the pomp and circumstance with storytelling. You can shoot straight. You can be... Above and beyond, or you could just be lying through your teeth and it's up to the person to understand whether or not what's truth or fiction, but also to seek that truth out and seeing how much validity there is to one story.
1: So one of the things I had a question for, and Vamp, I know you're a huge fan of this film, as we've previously discussed, I had a question, which is, what does the big fish actually have to do with it? Because I was watching it, and like the big fish appears several times in the movie, but it doesn't ever get directly linked to anything until he turns into a fish in the end, kind of, which is really just a story, but what does it actually have to do with the film?
0: Basically, like, it's the first story you hear, what his father tells about his catching this giant catfish that shouldn't be in this lake. It talks about a fish will grow on its environment. If you take the whole world as your playground, you know, your growth and your possibilities are endless. If you live in a little jar, you're going to have a very enclosed, not living your life to what you can, more or less. And then at the end, I think as you see, like, he turns into it, I think it's just more symbolizing the fact that he's more or less immortalized his life life through his stories because now his son is going to tell these over-abolished stories to his kids and this and that. I think it's just trying to show us a couple different things. I think it's just live to your fullest and just basically immortalizing the guy's legacy.
1: Okay, so you think it's more symbolic of the message of the story rather than an actual plot device?
2: Yes and to piggyback off vamp it also has implications of growing out of one's location so like as he's moving from place to place throughout the story and seeing this fish i believe that's a symbolization of that he's reached the point of that he needs to move forward and onto the next adventure and not be afraid of what's ahead basically do not be afraid of going out and seeing the world or going to somewhere new or somewhere that you're not familiar with take that as an adventure and just go with it and see what it brings you and not to be complacent or stuck in one location for too long
3: now I have an interpretation, but what sucks is outright is you two have way better explanation than I'm going to have. So this sucks that I'm going to go after yours, but this is what I think, or at least I think this might've been a tipping point is that I'm a fisherman. I grew up fishing. I love fishing, do it every year all the time. One of the things that's typical, especially for fishermen is the one that got away. It's always the big fish. You always come up with a crazy story. And that was the thing for me, my dad, we always tell our stories whenever we go fishing together. And my dad always loves telling the stories. Remember back, when you were like 12 years old and we were on the boat and this and that happened. Just like what Vamp was talking about is I swear that the story gets crazier every time he tells that story. There's always something new. The weather must've got worse or we we was on our last piece of bait. It's always something that makes the story more extreme. At least when I heard about the film to be done for the podcast, that's actually where I thought the film was going to go is like these crazy stories about this big fish that got away. I don't know how much influence it had because I actually do like the more symbolism, but I can't help when I... I first went into the movie, I thought that's more where that came from, is that it's very traditional for a tall tale of a story of the big fish that got
1: away. Mm, okay. I, I, I can see that, but I definitely like the other theory a little better. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask each of you, if you had to pick a favorite scene in the film, what would it be and why? So I'll start with you first,
2: Regent i think my favorite scenes i'm I'm torn between two to be honest with you i am torn between the town of specter and with the interaction of the circus and the scene where him and his friends all meet the witch and see their fates i think those are my two favorite scenes just because of the implications of how one's life ends and being told about it where all of them are like yeah no that's not gonna happen to me this person's crazy but edward took it to heart and kept it to himself because that was part of the request of the witch that not to go around and tell people or to undermine what she's trying to do the people started dying off per the prophecies they were foretold but I like the circus because all the individual characters uh, they had different life, personality distinctions about them that really help create a more valid story to tell but some people when you provide that story can feel like they're over embellishing or now nah, that's crazy those people don't exist and when you meet them you're like oh wow they, they really are human beings like this person was being absolutely honest like it was one of those moments in the movie where it's too crazy enough to be true but it fully is and that's one of the things I really enjoyed about that particular scene and the overall tie-in to the end of the movie as well.
1: Okay, what about you, Cookie?
3: So while I was watching the film, I felt like I related to the son a bit with his dad. And what I mean by that is as the movie progressed after a while, I was like, man, these, these adventures are like really crazy. Like really did this happen? Oh my gosh. It gets crazier and crazier. I wasn't the person that was all enjoying it. I was the person like his son. Interesting enough. I think that's also what the movie does well is even if you're watching on both sides where you're on the side with the dad or if you're side with the son, because my favorite part was near the end of the film at the funeral, seeing all the people show up. That changed my viewing of the film big time. I love that scene. To me, it was dope because up to that point, I really was like, man, was any of this true? Oh my gosh, this is just crazy. And then to see the people, I was still questioning. I was like, is this like a dream sequence? Is this made up? No, these people are actually here. And then they started interacting with each other. And I really liked that. I believe ultimately the reason why I really liked all that was one of the pieces I took away from it is something that I can relate to is when you go through life. And you're connecting with other people, building relationships, creating those adventures, those memories with other people. What's really cool is it's like you're a spider web connecting people. And I thought it was so dope how, at the end, those people are all meeting and they're telling all stories about how they were connected with the father, Ewan McGregor's character. And I really liked that. And I thought that was really cool because that's something I can relate to life. And I feel like a lot of other people can. You know, when sometimes, let's say, you're hosting a party, you invite people from different areas in your life, like your coworkers, some of your close friends, maybe some people you used to go to school with, some some people from maybe a different group. And when you bring them all in one room, those people start finding things they have in common with each other and they all start having a good time. And what's really cool is you're the person that's like the connecting nucleus as they're all having their own fun within each other. And yeah, that ultimately saved the movie for me because if it ended on a sad note or it didn't end with something like that, then I would have had just an average viewing across the film. But that piece for me made it like, dang, that was really cool. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Vamp?
0: I personally have to go with Cookie on this one. I think my favorite part of the whole movie is the funeral. Cookie hit a lot of it. You see a lot of these characters from the stories all coming together and sharing their stories of the dad and the son starting to realize, well, maybe there was some truth to some of his stories. Seeing all the characters, like we know he met the one lady just fixing her house with the potential affair thing, but that could have just been a coincidence or one thing that might have actually been true. But then you're seeing it all come together at the end and all the different people like the twins you realize they're not actually connected you're seeing he embolished his stories that there was some truth to it so I just thought it was a really good end to it a good tie-in for everything that had happened in the film and I will add every time I think of this movie I do think of one scene and it's the flower field because I think that perfectly sums up the movie you know he did not plant an entire field of flowers he probably just you know went and got a dozen maybe a couple dozen but a whole field no (laughs) like we knew he was working at a circus he wasn't making much money like it was over the top but every time i think of the movie that's the first thing i think of i think it's a good this is what the movie's about
1: Yeah, I actually have to agree with both of you. Funeral scene is number one due to exactly what you're talking about. Like it's the legacy. It's what you left behind. And that's something I think about maybe a little too frequently is what happens after I'm gone. Who's going to remember me? Who's going to tell my story? Or did I leave something good behind for other people? So it's that bit of mortality that everyone has. You want some part of you left behind for others. And the fact that that got put in a movie, it made me smile, but it made me a little sad at the same time because it's like, okay okay, so maybe I can actually obtain this one day. But also it's like, it's really cool that they put that in a movie. Great, I'm a bag of mixed emotions right now. It was great. That or the scene where it's the son and his wife at the house and they're outside looking through the shed and then the mother leaves like, I'm gonna go check on your father. And he's just like chilling in the bathtub, like underwater. He comes up and he's like, I'm just drying out. And she hops on in with him. No questions asked, just like, and she goes. I thought it was a really cute scene where you can tell that those two people have really connected, they understand each other completely, and that their relationship is incredibly strong. And I just thought it was really cute. Those two scenes take it for me. Since it is a Tim Burton film, and since this movie is a little bit whack, I'm gonna ask each of you one more scene each. What do you think is the strangest scene in the movie and why? And I'll start with you first, fam.
0: The first thing that comes to mind is probably the circus. He meets this giant and finds him a perfect job. Meet all these other different characters where you kind of first start getting that real like, okay, this is a Tim Burton movie like, type vibe to it. I think I would probably go with that one.
3: It definitely has to be that forest scene when he was going through the forest. What was it, like spiders or... Yeah, yeah, that part for me. After a while, I kind of started doing eye roll. I was like, "Bro, this is not a for real story." You could almost get me with the wedding ring or a gold ring catching the catfish. I could give you something like that because you can actually catch some catfish with some crazy stuff. But when we got to that forest scene, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this this feels like Tim Burton coming up with some crazy stuff. A little
1: bit of Beetlejuice vibes." Oh yeah. I actually couldn't watch too much of that scene because of the spiders. It was a big no-no for me. But Regent, what is the strangest scene to you?
2: I'm on kind of Cookie's boat with the forest scene and the spiders. Outside of that, I would have to probably say when he helped Winslow rob a bank. That came out of nowhere. I'm like, what is going on with the story? Like we had to take a left turn. And I was in the boat where Cookie was like, nah, no one's going to believe that. I'm sorry.
3: Now, I, w- I want to jump in and say that was my second favorite scene just because <laughs> when Ewan McGregor's character walks in or he has to go back and get the money, the guy's like, hey, go back there and you know, have her take you. And she's like, yo, we ain't got no money. <laughs> 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 like, just busted out laughing. That <laughs> was definitely, that was my favorite part from a laughter standpoint. <laughs> was that point. I was like, yeah, y'all got some good laughs out of me in this film, especially with that part.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially when he gets to the car and he's like going through the bag and he's like, that's it? Wait, dude, this has your name on it. This is your security deposit. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to make sure you got something. It's like, what the fuck? I would say the strangest scene to me would have to be the Danny DeVito scene where he's just a werewolf and he's just sitting there, you know, naked in a field. Okay, that's a good point.
3: I can't believe I didn't choose that one either. Yep, you're right about
1: that. I did not expect to see Danny DeVito naked on screen after he was a werewolf.
3: I think I purposely burned that out of my mind and you dug up the ashes.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. It's like a phoenix. It rises from the ashes. I'm, that memory's staying with you forever, Cookie. Overall, I think this movie's great. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it had a lot to say. Are there any other notes that you guys want to bring up?
2: Yes. So, a couple fun facts. The little girl that he befriends in the his childhood, that was Miley Cyrus what yeah ruthie wow yeah that was miley cyrus we love her more now (laughs) yeah it was her first film role Mm -hmm. billy ridden i don't know if this is probably gonna be more towards cookie and eyes movie catalog maybe vamp he was the gentleman that was playing the banjo on the porch when edward was entering the town of specter he was the same banjo player that did the dueling banjos from the movie deliverance
3: (laughs) and unfortunately that's the reason why i picked banjo earlier in the podcast
2: Yep, that's why I was holding on to that. Also, the woman who played Bill's wife, Josephine, that was Talia Gould in Dark Knight Rises. You're right, it is. Yep. Also, the author was in the movie, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was the economy professor for Auburn. That's really cool. I always
3: love when when directors get into their movies, or authors, either one. People who the movie may be inspired from.
2: Also, I got one last one. Apparently, Spielberg was a briefly attached to this movie. We weren't going to get Ewan McGregor as Edward. We were going to get Jack Nicholson. Oh. Oh, gosh. No.
0: (laughs) No. I don't think we'd be talking about it right now.
2: No, I don't think we would.
1: Especially not since Ewan McGregor was the hook for me on this film. I mean, Jack Nicholson, he would have had to play the father present day.
2: No. They were talking about him going through the Avengers. It was going to be that Jack Nicholson as that Edward. Young Edward.
3: I don't know why you had the Avengers reference, but I'm still shocked is that they would have had Jack Nicholson at that time, what, he's like 50 at that time? Because you remember he did as good as it gets, and we covered that. That was like 97.
2: He would have been the father then. That would have made more sense from an age standpoint. One last fact, the gentleman who played Don, that was the guy that was originally tied to Sandra in the movie. He ended up being in the Brightburn movie on Netflix, if any of you have watched it.
1: Brightburn? As in evil Superman?
2: Yeah, he was the father. Oh,
1: okay. That's a good movie. Brightburn. I like that.
2: Yes, it is. Don't forget the Tim Burn trope. The
1: Tim Burn trope.
2: Whenever there's a Tim Byrne movie, Helena Bonham Carter is not far behind. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, she's in it. I mean, you got Danny DeVito. He's been used in a couple. You, You see a lot of similar faces in a lot of his films.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I loved the fact that Helena Bonham Carter was a crazy cat lady. That tickled me a little bit. It was great. She does crazy really well hmm It's the Tim Burton signature. Insane.
3: On that note, right quick, not to change subjects, but Venture, have you seen Fight Club? Because she's in that. No, I have not. Good to know. I think we'll put that on the list.
1: All right, I'm gonna go ahead and give my final review. The final review for this film, I think it's great. There are some problems with it, like Cookie mentioned, representation not including a more diverse cast. Definitely something that we've gotten better with over the decades, having more diverse casts and crews. So it's a little unfortunate that they didn't include a more diverse cast in this. But overall, I thought it was a good film that had a good message, a ton of life lessons for people to learn, and it was just a beautiful film that had beautiful character moments. I think. I think it's an 8 out of 10 for me overall.
2: I'm going to have to double down and say strong 8 out of 10 for my watch of the movie and what it brought to me.
1: And I would say, even though I brought my
3: opinions in, it does affect my own personal viewing of the film from a enjoyment standpoint. Like, hey, would I wanna watch it again on a copy? Not really. So from a personal standpoint, it would hit more between like a five and a half to six. But from a commercial and cinematic standpoint, I gladly would give it eight out of 10 because I feel like it's a really fun family film to watch for people. And that's something I can always give credit to is that I can see kids having a good time watching it people who enjoy fun things to watch and are a little bit more open-minded too when they see things because this film is definitely meant to have a lot of imagination and creation behind it and I can definitely give it that credit.
1: What about you Vamp?
0: we've touched it's one of my favorite movies I would probably go 9 out of 10 it's just my weird scaling I don't think anything's actually perfect everything can be improved upon could have been a little more diverse like Cookie was talking about also touching a little bit on that too they're trying to be happy and upbeat and talking about this now and thinking about it it being supposed to have a happier feel maybe that's why we didn't see you know such a diversity especially in the flashbacks because you see them fighting a war presumably like World War 2 you know around those times still wasn't great i mean times aren't great now for you know people i'm thinking maybe that's why not trying to defend the movie near the end
3: there's only one thing i i do have to throw in there is that area that was supposed to be like heaven that bothered me the most when that showed up when that time came that's where i was like gosh didn't did no one not quite show up (laughs)
0: yeah like i don't disagree like they could have had him near the end of his life there could have been more diversity but yeah now you pointing that out i've seen the movie hundreds of times and you know that's never clicked for me i definitely think that is a negative point on it but that's also a problem in hollywood like that has been brought up in the future when we get good movies like this maybe you know we get better stuff
1: all right vamp thank you very much for joining us for this episode
2: thank you for having me
1: thank you Regent cookie for
2: also joining Pleasure as always. Absolutely.
1: And thank you, listeners, for listening. If you did enjoy today's episode, a like, share, review on whichever platform you are probably listening to this podcast on would be greatly appreciated. It's an excellent and free way to support the podcast. Another free way is to either send this to a friend or to tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread a podcast. It gets people to actually have a conversation about it. And you could say, hey, look, they covered one of my favorite movies. Here you go. Listen. Just know that your listenership is more than enough for me. And since this is a listener suggested episode, if you want to have us talk about one of your favorite movies, go ahead and send it to either our social or our email, which all of them are linked below every single episode, so you can go ahead and do that. Again, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye!